Hey, everybody, and welcome so much to the Art and Science of Complex Sales. We're in for a very, very special episode today. We're with the sales hunter, Mark Hunter. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you for having me on. I guess it's going to be interesting. We'll find out, won't we? <laughs> oh, come on now. Come on yeah. now. Just any any time that us two get in the room, we usually have a That's decent right. conversation. But I, I got to introduce you a little bit, and I'm going to have you introduce yourself because I think you give a better one than I do. But for those of you that don't know Mark, he's the author of three awesome books in the realm of sales. So High Profit Prospecting, High Profit Selling, and one of the most interesting reads of the past couple of years, which is A Mind for Sales. And also... Uh, host of two just brilliant podcasts, so Sales Hunter and Sales Logic. Anything I should add to that, Mark? No, I guess that's it. I mean, my kids could add some things, but yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> want to add that stuff. So, <laughs> Well, how, how does a guy like you get into uh, get into sales? Well, if you'd buy my... You read the book of mine for sales. So, you know, I do tell it in there. I got into sales only because of the police department. Yeah. Drop the mic, go home on that one. What happened was when I was in college, I got too many speeding tickets. And ultimately, I could not afford car insurance. So I had to find myself a job that supplied me with a company car. That is how I wound up in sales. And I was so good at that first sales job, I got fired from it. (laughs) So then I got a second sales job, second company car, Buick. And I got fired from that one too. It wasn't until my third sales job, third car. Now, third one wasn't a Buick that I finally got my act together, finally figured out. That you know, I got to learn how to sell because I, I had I'd been treating customers as if they were bowling pins, with my objective being just to knock them down, take the money, and run. That's mm-hmm. not a way to build a sales career. Just saying. Well, I've seen people try. I've seen people try, but it usually ends oh, up sure. with a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. That's exactly what happened because I mean I was making sales, but I was leaving a trail of mayhem and chaos behind me. Ultimately, it caught up with me. So, yeah. So let's let's set the the baseline then. So, you're in sales. I ask this question to all just about all people I interview, but define sales for me. So, if you're saying you're doing yeah. sales wrong those yeah. first two gigs, right? What shift? How did you start to define sales differently that caused that shift? Well, yeah, it was really on my third sales job when my boss sat me down. In fact, it wasn't my boss, it was my boss's boss sat me down and asked me why I was in sales. And he began to really shift my my thinking. And it's evolved where I, my definition of sales today is to help others see and achieve what they did not think was possible. That's what sales is. Now, if I were to define sales, I'd say sales is leadership. Leadership is sales. Because you show me a good salesperson, they're actually a good leader. Show me a good leader, they're a good salesperson. Look, look at Ukraine right now and Zelensky. You know, is he leading or is he selling? He's doing both. And he's doing both magnificently well. That's what we in sales are all about. So sales is leadership. Leadership is sales. So sales is leadership. Leadership is sales. Do me a favor. Can you rewind a minute and a half and state that first definition again? Because that's really, that's really, really powerful. Yeah. Sales is about helping others see and achieve what they did not think was possible. You see, sales is about incremental opportunities. Too many times we look at sales, oh, I'm in sales. No, what you're doing is you're taking orders. You are writing orders. You're taking business that was going to come to you no matter what. I call that customer service. You see, sales is about creating incremental opportunities. And when we create incremental opportunities, 
the customer benefits because now they're able to see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. And of course, I win because I've got more business for my company and myself. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, we do that on a daily basis. We can go home and feel very good at night. That's a great way of seeing it. I had this, uh, I was talking to a friend the other day and they, they told this story about how he was in the sign business to start off, right? And he was selling a storefront guy a sign and there was two places to put the sign. And one place was this huge side of a building and it looked like the store owner came to him and said, this looks like an amazing, amazing spot, you know, to put that sign. And my friend looked at him and said, well, I can put the sign there, but I'm going to have to charge you 200% of what uh, I'm paraphrasing, but 200% Mm -hmm. of our standing going great. And he goes, why? He goes, well, because nobody's going to see it. And you're not going to get business and you're going to hate me. Now, I can help you improve your business. And so he saw something completely. I love that. Helping them see and achieve what they did not think was possible because he saw the spot, right? The spot that they needed to put it was it's in the front. And in the front, it's a very small one and it's very small, but let's make it dynamic. Let's make it nice. It drove business that the guy didn't think was possible. So that is an awesome definition. You know, I think about that. You only do that if you can develop a level of trust with the customer. Because mm-hmm. this sign, the sign person, you know, your friend would not have been able to articulate that, would not have been able to have the customer receive that if there had not been an element of trust there, which again is so foundational to sales. You know, if we, we look at why salespeople fail, it's because they fail to really achieve a level of trust with the customer. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, that, that is powerful. If, if all you're doing is taking an order, if all you're doing is giving somebody something and taking money for it, you know, the internet's going to replace you very quickly, very quickly if it hasn't replaced you already. This is why it's really about creating that dialogue because your friend was able to understand the customer's business well enough. And from his own knowledge or her knowledge of the marketplace and how customers respond and so forth, was able to articulate that, hey, here's a better place for it. Yeah. Well, one of the things you talk about, and I'm I'm super interested. Like the, a mind for sales is is the content that I was hoping we could get in today. Because mm-hmm. yes. one of the things you talk about in there is is the habits of a great. I mean, habits yes. of a great salesperson, habits of a great sales leader. How we how we think. And I want to dive into that. So, if sales is leadership and leadership is sales, what are the things that build to leadership? Then, like what what's what are the habits that make a great salesperson? Well, it really comes down to something very simple. It's just being disciplined. It's just being disciplined. I look at every top performer I've ever been associated with. They are incredibly disciplined with their time. They're incredibly disciplined with what they do. They don't allow themselves to get sucked into you know, a shiny object syndrome and, and everything else. They, because what they do is they start, and this is what I top performer, here's my objectives for the day. Here are my goals. And they do not deviate from what this means is, is for many people. And I tell this all the time. It's what I call the 10 a.m. rule. The 10 a.m. rule is this. You set your smartphone to go off every morning at 10 a.m. And you ask yourself, have I accomplished something significant by that time? Now, here's why. If I can accomplish something significant before 10 a.m., I'm going to be jazzed. I'm going to be pumped. You know, maybe it's a proposal. That's what I was doing this morning. I had a major proposal I had to get at the door and I got it done before 10 o'clock and I feel better and I feel jazzed. What does that do? That motivates you to move forward to really accomplish even more the rest of the day. If, on the other hand, you get to that 10 a.m. and you get that done and then shortly thereafter, your boss calls you 
and just hmm, the day falls apart. You know what? You still accomplish something significant. Mm-hmm. Average performers, what they do is they, they well, they'll get to that major thing somewhere along the day, somewhere along the course of the day, they'll get to that. So then if their day falls apart, they never get it done. But see, the top performer has already been able to get it done. So th- this is absolutely fundamental. It's being disciplined, knowing what your objectives are. And the other thing that top performers do is they never end the day without knowing exactly what they're going to do tomorrow. Tomorrow begins today. I had lunch with a top performer. This was a couple weeks ago. And he made the comment. He said, I never end the day without having all of my key emails already written for the prospecting calls I'm going to be making tomorrow. Wow. See, tomorrow begins today. And believe me, this guy crushes it. Absolutely crushes it. What is he doing? What is he doing? He's setting himself up to win because he's prepared because he takes the end of the day and he says, okay, I'm going to make sure that I, these are the calls I'm going to make. This is the CTA, the call to action I'm looking for. This is going to be the email I'm, I'm going to send to them. It's a, it gets all that stuff put together. It's done. So then he wakes up in the morning and hits the ground running and he can truly hit the ground running. And see, that's the other thing that top performers know how to maximize their time. You know, we all have 24 hours in a day. We all do. And, mm-hmm. and you and I have, you know, Paul, you got 24 hours. I have 24 hours. Bill Gates is 24 hours. How does Bill Gates somehow get more done? Because he has found ways to compartmentalize and segment. And we can use all the arguments in the world. He's got all kinds of tools and other people, so forth. Yeah, I get that. But here's the whole thing. Top performers are also dialed in on one thing. Average people, you know, we love to go through life that, oh, life is multitasking. Life is multitasking. Here's an inside secret. Top performers don't multitask. They're zeroed in on one task for that moment, that moment in time. That's it. That's it. So as a result, they're they're able to be far more focused. Just, Just before we began recording this, I was working on another proposal for another client. And I only had about a 40-minute window to get it done. And, and it's going to take me. But you know what? I got it done in about 30 minutes because I, I wasn't paying attention to anything else. I got it done. And normally it would take me a few hours. But I said, I got to get this done. And that's the ability of top performers. So when they're talking to a customer, for instance, mm-hmm. they're dialed in on that customer. And the, the average one is like, oh, they're kind of wandering all. No, no. The top performers, all, they, they are hearing things. They're listening. And they're in turn asking questions that the average performer would never, would never ask. And the number one question they're asking is, why? How come? Tell me more. Because the top performer is not afraid to have the sales call. Oh, no, it's going sideways. The top performer says, let it go sideways. I don't care where the customer wants to take it. My objective is to learn from them, right? Whereas that average performer says, oh, I got this list of eight questions. I got to go through these eight questions. Oh, stupid, stupid. This is brilliant stuff. And it's it all comes back to your def. I can see how it all comes back to your definition, right? So if leadership is sales and sales is leadership, then you must lead yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, spot on. Because again, See, if, if, if I can't lead myself, how can I lead anybody else? Which then what this creates is this creates a level of confidence. Now, confidence and arrogance are not the same thing. Top performing salespeople, and th- there are some that can be arrogant, but by and large, vast majority are, are not arrogant. They're confident. 
They're confident in knowing that they can make a difference because this is the whole thing. This is this is where also the difference between average and top performers when it comes to prospect. Mm-hmm. Top performers have this belief about prospecting. If I know I can help you, I have an obligation to reach out to you. Think about that for a moment. If I know I can help you, I have an mm-hmm. obligation to reach out to you. And see, the average person says, oh, I'm just afraid to call them. I, I, I don't know, and I'm not worried about it. But the top performer says, you know what? I know. I know because you fit the profile of what my favorite customers are. I know the outcomes I can create, et cetera, et cetera. I know I can help you. And that's also the reason why the top performer, when it comes to prospecting, stays in the game far longer than the average person. The average person makes three or four calls and says, well, they haven't answered any of my voicemails. They haven't picked up and talked to me, so they must not be interested. The top performer says, you know what? I don't know because I haven't had a conversation with them, but I know I can help them. I'm going to keep trying to reach them. And they keep going, going, going until they reach them. You see, again, it, it, it really comes back to this whole thing of the mindset. The top performer's mindset is just different than the average person. And that drives differences in everything. So when you're going into a company or you're you're talking to to sales leaders that are looking to instill that mindset, that are looking to help that mindset, that are looking to help people achieve that mindset, where where do you start? Do you start all the way back at self-leadership and the ability to lead yourself? Or do you start? No, I mean, you really have to go back to square one. Can they okay. can they lead themselves? Because here's the whole thing. You've been around enough people. I, I, I was just speaking at a. I was just in Europe last week, speaking at a conference with a, with about a thousand people, and um, several other speakers were there. Prominent names in the industry. It, it doesn't take you long to see why they're top performers, why they're the best in the industry. And you talk to other people, you because again, there's this level of confidence, because there's this level of putting other people first. And this this is the thing that I I screams very loud top performers actually put the other person first because they're they're well hey i know where i'm at i want to understand where you're coming from so they take deep interest in understanding the other person and again that's a big difference and and what do top performers do they don't step on other people but they lift other people up and when you lift other people up a rising tide lifts all boats and that's pretty cool. And that, again, is what I see time and time again with true top performers. Not the top performers who are top of the game for one year or a quarter or a year or two. But I mean, top performers who are there year in, year out, year in, year out. Well, what I'm hearing you say is that they are, I wrote this down, they're, they're given from a place of abundance, right? They've already, yes. got, they, oh, they know oh, they, instead, oh. of, instead of serving oh. from a place of need. Right. So oh. if I need you to like me, there's no way I can serve you well. Right. Yeah, if I need if I need something from you that, you know, to make me whole, but you're saying top performers just go innately. I mean, it's it, they work like heck to do it, but get to a place where they're serving from a place of I can I'm me, I know this, I can abundantly yes. give. Yes. The word scarcity isn't even in their mindset. It's abundance. Abundance in every when you have an abundance in everything. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. Here's what happens. There's this adrenaline factor. And I, I'm not a smart individual. I made the upper half of my class possible. Some people got to stop and think about what I just said there. But anyway, 
when you are helping other people, when you're motivating other people, when you're you're engaged with other people, it lifts your motivation up. It jazzes you and it creates momentum. It creates momentum because I wake up every morning. My goal is to influence and impact others. And if I can influence and impact others, then hmm, I'm going to earn the right, the privilege, honor, and respect to be able to come back and meet with that person again. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And that's the mindset of top performers. In fact, it's funny. I, 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 I'm working on a, I'm working on an online course right now. Mm-hmm. And I was writing out some, some of the scripts over. And there was a gentleman, and, and I have in the course, a, a gentleman I met at a dinner, just a random dinner I happened to be at eight or nine years ago. That person today has turned into a friend and has probably easily made me half a million dollars, a million dollars in business that he's brought to me personally. And I've brought him. But see, if, if, if I had gone in as being like, what's this guy? What's this? I, I could care less. He's, he's, you know, he's a village idiot. I don't know. But, you know, again, because top performers go into every situation as saying there's somebody to meet here and there's something to learn. And that absolutely changes because average people will go and say, oh, there's nothing to learn here. Why, why am I here? Why am I? I read a tremendous number of books. Because I always say there, there's something to learn. There's something more to learn. And again, that's that's the mindset. You know, when I talk about a mind for sales, that's 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 what having the right mindset is. And that's what allows you to become a top performer. You don't become a top performer and then have the right mindset. You have to have the right mindset and then you become a top performer. So you talk about I'm gonna shift from the mindset. I, I could stay on that for for hours with you. So I'm going to, I'm going to do myself a favor and move on. Cause I think if, if I stay there, we're just going to go deep on one thing. One of the things that I, I love is, is a lot of the simplification that we just, you just break down in, in your book. And you talk about the three most important assets for sales success. Yeah. And one of them obviously is your mind, that mindset, yep. right? Yep. We've talked about the other two, but, but you mind diving in? What, what are the yeah. things that are yeah. really okay. critical? The three Assets are your time, your mind, and your network. Now, here's your objective. Each day, your objective is to protect your time, grow your mind, nurture your network. Let's break those three down real quick. Your objective is to protect your time because once once today is gone, it's gone. So I I block everything on my calendar is blocked. I I have time. I have time blocked to develop this. I have time to do this. Time to I, I literally block everything on my calendar. Now I leave white space on the calendar. Or just add, you know, phone calls that rise, et cetera, et cetera. But, but I very much protect my time. Okay. Two, I grow my mind. Every day I want to learn something new. I want to, to expand my knowledge. It's either going to expand me personally. It's going to expand me professionally. It might help me with individual customers, might help me, but I'm going to do it. And the third one is I'm going to nurture my network. Now, I didn't say use your network. I said nurture your network. And this is key because. Your network is the sum of all the people who you come in contact with. And there's various levels. We don't have time to go into this. But this whole premise is, how are you giving back to your network? This morning, there was a person in my network, and I, and I saw that she had received an, an, an acknowledgement, an online acknowledgement that was pretty significant. So I texted her. I said, hey, congratulations. Just saw this. She said, thank you. I didn't know that. Great. See, what am I doing? I'm letting somebody in my network know something I saw for them. Every day we have to be nurturing our network. There was somebody else in my network who 
send out some emails on behalf of that person to introduce them to some other people. It was great. It was great. Now, does stuff come up? Yes. Yes. Always does. I don't expect it to. I always give with the expectation of never getting anything in return. That This is that fundamental. But every day I want to nurture my network because my network out there is really helping me uh, become more valuable because more people are aware of me, more people uh, know who I am. And again, top performers know that they want to utilize every asset out there possible. So it's nurture your network, it's grow your mind and protect your time. Do that daily. It's amazing what happens. So this this ties directly to, and, and there's a quote in, in your book, like it says, sales is not service, right? I take service at a bigger level. Yeah. I actually have, have yeah. defined sales as uh, as three things in my head, right? Leadership. Mm-hmm. We are so on point with that together. Like I, it, it, cause it is, it's helping. And I, mm-hmm. I've always said it's helping people achieve a, a vision, right? Mm-hmm. And then service is helping people get what they need. I say it as define it as helping people yeah. get what they need, yeah. regardless of if they know they need it. Right. Yeah. But you're talking about radically serving. What I hear when you say those things, you talk about radically serving and bringing value to your network yes. with not with the thought of you, but with the, with the thought of them. That Did is, I hear you? You heard me correct. And I need to unpack that because, you know, you know, sales is not service. The piece that I get concerned with. Mm-hmm. Is and I wrote that several times in the book regarding customer service because yep. here's the whole deal: customer service is taking orders, taking business that's just normally coming in. That's just to me, that's not sales. You know, my dog could stand there at the door and take the orders. If my dog could could respond to the internet, could take care of those orders. That, to me, that's customer service. That that's the piece that drives me crazy. Sales is about creating incremental opportunities. Serving is fundamental. Serving is fundamental to sales because I want to serve other people. Mm-hmm. When I take the time to serve other people, it's amazing at what happens. That's huge. Because you know what? It just makes you, you know, when you give somebody a referral, you're serving them and it makes you feel good. If you don't get jazzed by serving other people, something's wrong. <laughs> something's mm-hmm. fundamentally wrong. Yeah, no, it because it 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 goes back to that abundance mindset, right? I'm so I'm so pumped to hear you say that because it it is, and that you have you've built these habits into your rhythm. I know you're teaching other people this, like so when you're starting your day, you said the 10 a.m. rule, right? Yeah. What about starting your week, and then what are some questions that you ask yourself that kind of guide your day? Well, yeah, Uh, that's two questions at once. So I'm sorry about that. Not the greatest, but how about starting the week? And then the second question is, you know, what are the critical things that, you know, at the beginning of the day, you're asking yourself, so you're in this mindset to serve, you're in this mindset to get after it. Well, the week doesn't begin Monday morning. The week begins Sunday, Sunday evening. You are sitting down and you're really setting out your objectives for the week. Don't list your to-dos. Don't list your to-dos. Those are just the actions that are going to help you get to your objectives. What are your objectives? What are the key objectives you want to accomplish? And you're reviewing those and you're breaking them down. Then you start, then you start building your to-dos. Okay, what are the activities I got to do to achieve that objective? And I begin looking at my calendar. I begin breaking it down. I set myself up for success. And this is so fundamental because if I go into the week, oh man, this is going to be a slog. This is going to be a slog. And in the words of John Gordon, He says, you know, it's not what we have to do. It's what we get to do. It's what we get to do. 
I remember there was a time in my life when literally Sunday evenings, I couldn't sleep. In fact, I talk about it in my book of mine for so I literally could not because I was so excited to get to work Monday mornings. And it's the same token, I was in a job for a very brief period of time where I dreaded Sunday afternoon and Sunday evenings because that meant Monday I had to go to work. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you what, I want to free myself up to where I get to go to work. I get to make these phone calls. I get to. Because again, if my mindset sells leadership, leadership is sales. And it's about creating incremental opportunities. So I, I start off my day. I, I get up every morning at like 4.30. Okay. I know some of you are like, wow, that's, that's weird. That's just That just works for me. Now, the reason I like early is because I want to have it very structured the first 90 minutes of the day. Very structured. Because again, top performing people are extremely disciplined. I have a set routine of making the coffee, working out, having my quiet time, reviewing things, just, just, but, but what does it do? It gets, it gets the motor running. It gets the motor running and it avoids that whole premise of just waking up and saying, well, oh, let me sleep for 10 more minutes. Let me sleep for 20 more. Let me sleep for this. And then you're, you're racing around trying to get things going. You can't figure out where this is. And then, well, what is I, what was I supposed to be working on? I don't know. No, no, it's already laid out. It's already laid out. Because the night before, I laid it all out. So in, in the morning, one of the things that I'm doing is I'm reviewing my objectives. Every morning, I review my objectives. There's a simple premise that comes out of NASCAR racing. You know, those are those cars that run around the track and they go around in circles. One of the things that every NASCAR driver knows is don't look at the wall. Don't look at the wall. Because if you look at the wall, it's amazing how you begin drifting towards the wall. Right? It's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. So what I want to do is, is I want to focus on my objectives. I want to focus on my success. That's what I drift towards. You inspect what you expect. Any sales manager, anybody who leads people, you know, you you, you inspect what you expect. Same thing. Same thing in our in our own daily objectives, our own daily um, goals. You know, if my goal is to is to make twenty phone calls a day or ten phone calls a day or whatever it might be, that's what I want to be inspecting every morning. And I want to be asking, have I done that? And it's amazing at, you know, that which you give attention to is that which achieves the most results. Gee, that's breakthrough. It's so simple, but it's so profound. Like, I'm sorry. I I, I, I mean, hey, hey, I'm going to stop you for just a second, Paul, because I was talking to one of the top 10 salespeople with a Fortune 10 company. I, I can't say the name, can't say the person's name. He told me, he said, if people really understood how simple my life is, I'd get fired. This gentleman makes seven figures, seven figures as a salesperson for this company. But he says, I have everything in an absolute set routine, just absolute set routine. And I do not deviate from it. What's, wow. What's, I had, no, one of my, and I won't name the person or the role, but uh, one of my one of my best friends in, in life, uh, I went into... Uh, I went into my first, it's actually my second sales job. I was with, with him. I was kind of a, I don't know. I, I was a little bit puffed up. I was a bit of a jerk. I think I, I, I should have got fired from that first sales job, but I, I came into it. I had a master's in communication. I was like, okay, I can leverage this. I can put it here. I can do this. You know, I can make the perfect PowerPoint. I can say the perfect words. I know I'm going to be awesome for this. And, and my buddy was was the opposite, right? He had not, he had not graduated uh, from college, but he, I respected him so much because he had worked his 
ass off. But how mm-hmm. he did it was, was he focused on the simple and some of the mm-hmm. things that you're saying right now, he, he taught me then it was like every Sunday night, every Sunday night, this is what I do. He's like, mm-hmm. and no, it's not the perfect, it's not the perfect presentation. It's not the perfect words. You don't say that. It's just, it's the presence. It's a continual ongoing mm-hmm. habitual presence. Like just get after it that way and you will succeed. And and I didn't believe him for the first six months. I was like, that can't be like this. But the guy ended up having a quota with a B before it, you know, and leading yes. a massive, yes. a massive team. And he he's amazing. I and I love yes. the man. I love the man. So I just so resonate with what you're saying. But you see, he, he, here, here's something else. He undoubtedly had a great personality. He undoubtedly was a guy who you wanted to hang out with, right? Yes. And you know what's funny is is 15 minutes after you get done with a presentation, you know, you've delivered this presentation, the customer will have forgotten 90% of what was in that presentation, but they won't forget how you made them feel. Yeah. Mm, how you connected with them. Big deal. And conversely, you could have an unbelievable, pre- you could have just rock star. I mean, this, this is like the solution they've been looking for. This is the holy grail. This is going to get the, the Nobel economics prize. This is, this is everything. And you can be like a jerk. And they'll ignore the deck and they'll go, that guy was a jerk. We're not going to do business with that person. Wow. There is sales is not yeah. sales. Is, sales is not complicated. Somewhere along the line, this memo came out and everybody read it. Sales is hard because average people who, who don't want to be dis people who don't want to be disciplined, don't want to be focused, always want to make up an excuse. Well, sales is hard. Sales is hard, right? I mean, it's 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 like the salesperson who says, he says, man, we could sell a lot more if we just reduced our price. Maybe you should learn to sell better. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. I just threw that out there. <laughs> there was a, a woman named Jenica uh, Dixon. Uh, Terry Slattery is, 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 has been big as a sales advisor for a long time. And Jenica's uh, her, his, his daughter. But she said something very similar to me the other day, which was essentially you have you have the people that they come in and they try to sell based on power, right? The power dynamic. I know more. I will always know more. I present more. I mean, and it's your job to know more as a salesperson. But when you start to leverage that in that power dynamic where you're higher and the other person's lower, you make them feel terrible. Oh, <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. I, I, I was recalling this morning a meeting I was in probably about 10 years ago. And there was a gentleman there who was, you know, he just was totally unassuming. And I thought, what is he here? Why is he here? Why is, why is he, you know, it's like, he can't bring any value to this. 10 years later, I look back on this guy was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Air Force Academy graduate. Very, I don't remember his final level he was at in the air force you know before he left but very very senior went on started a number of companies just an amazing individual he, he didn't enter this meeting trying to tell everybody how great he was he was just there he was i just love there. it i yeah. love it I, I, that gives me goosebumps actually because i mean yeah I've been in those type of things where and he asked three or four great questions and it's like oh my gosh what just happened you know that's right and see see that see that's the whole that the average person wants to go in and extol their knowledge. You know, they want to tell you how right there. The really smart person, top performer, just says, I, I just got a couple of questions I want to ask you. And then it's just like, boom, 
everything's blown up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it takes a lot of habits and it takes a lot of prep and it takes to be able to do that and a lot of discipline. So Mark, I could talk to you for hours and I'm going to hope to have you back uh, yeah. if you agree. And that would be amazing. How do people find you if they want to interact with you and, and get some more information? Yeah. Well, it's thesaleshunter.com. That's the website, thesaleshunter.com. People ask me, what was your name before you changed it? It's always been Hunter. I have my parents <laughs> to thank for that. Okay, I'm serious. I'm yeah. And my first name is Sales, right? No, my first name is Dom. My middle name is Sales. My last name is Hunter. Yeah. 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 No. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, and I'm all, I'm all over LinkedIn every day we post something new and, um, I'm out there on YouTube channel, crystal books, high profit prospecting and the mind for sales. Those are the, the last two books. And, uh, but yeah, it's yeah. just sales. Sales is not a solo activity. Sales is a team sport and it's pleased to be, I'm pleased to be on the same team as you because we're all part of the sales community and that's good. Well, and I think that could be an episode that we discuss. Uh, I, I would love to just mark that and put a, a mark in it and talk about sales as a team sport the next time we yeah. get together. Because I know that I know a ton of people that uh, think it's solo, right? And but it, it can't be. And just that that mentality of sales as a team sport and leading that team and serving that team and coaching that team is so critical. And I'd love to get into you with that next time. Because and until then, any final words you wanna you wanna share? No, sales is the sales is not a job. Sales is not a profession. Sales is a lifestyle because we get to go out there and influence and impact people every day. Amen. Doesn't get that any better sounds, than that. That sounds fantastic. And I'm a, I'm a true believer in that as well. Everybody pick up one of his books. I recently read A Mind for Sales. I thought it was awesome. And it's why one of the things that uh, prompted this conversation today. So if you want to get some more info information on that, pick that up. And with that... This is Paul Fuller with the Art and Science of Complex Sales, and we are signing out. Mm -hmm.